What is up, everybody? This is the Sharp Angles podcast, the week 18 fantasy football preview of the Sharp Angles podcast. You can tell that it's week 18 because we're like four minutes late and we had technical issues. There were mic questions, just full, full on week 18. After we finish recording this podcast, I'm just going to go eat some barbecue. Like just we're, we're full in it. We are straight into week 18, Rich. How's your week 18 going? it's going good you know I, I put a bow on you know writing up all 272 regular season games this season so that's kind of in the can we'll, we'll adjust and calibrate the rest of the week as we get more information of who's not going to play this week this is already I, i've been doing this a decade writing up the games uh for various sites i think week 18 that we've like finally got the coaches kind of with it largely we'll talk about dan campbell i'm sure but most guys are sitting this week. It's more guys sitting in week 18 than I can remember in previous years. Yeah, it is a, this is a perfect example for why week 18, a week 18 DFS is a different animal. Week 18 DFS is fun. And most of our conversation today is going to center around that. But if you are still playing in week 18, this is a great reminder week of why you shouldn't be doing that. And if your league mates insist upon having a week 18 uh, fantasy Super Bowl, that you should leave that league. That is that is what I... I had someone in the chat last night tell me, what do they do? They can't play Kyron Williams in their championship final. And I was like, you get a new league. Yeah, exactly. You find a new league, you or you... You know, you really try to get the league mates to change because, yeah, this is going to be it's going to be a week where a lot of people are out, like a lot of very good fantasy people are going to be out. Lamar Jackson is not going to be playing. Patrick Mahomes is not going to be playing. We're probably not going to see much of, if any, of the rest of the Chiefs that you'd be interested in and starting um the eagles we'll talk about them they could be an interesting situation where we don't see them for as we don't see them for the entire game there's so much happening in this week 18 i think i mean when i'm trying to think about how many teams actually legitimately have something to play for what is it 12 13 teams something like that and so it becomes it becomes really difficult to figure out okay who's actually going to play who's going to really be trying all of that stuff. And that's really the trick. And I don't think, you know, I'd, hot take alert. I don't think that your fantasy championship will be determined by, well, do I think that they're going to try? And that's kind of where we are this week. And so it's, it's pretty easy to just say, Hey, stop that. Yeah. Quit that. Don't do that. that yeah. That's that's by week 18. And and there should be a week in the NFL where we pause and just kind of enjoy football and not like we could bet and do props and play DFS and stuff. But like when it comes to like fantasy setting lineups and everything, it's nice to have a week to not do it. Yeah, and I, I actually like think I'm not gonna play a ton this week. Like maybe I maybe I make a milli lineup and maybe I make a single entry lineup, but I'm not gonna make 20. Like I'm going mm-hmm. to, you know, I'm just gonna have some fun because it is, you know, it's a nice little kind of break week before we get into the playoffs and and what's going to be you know a lot more in-depth analysis i know over at the website your dolphins and bills write up for this for this week your worksheet write up preview which you should go read by the way you should read all of his worksheets over at sharpfootball.com um if you're not a subscriber to sharpfootballanalysis.com you can do that you can get 71 percent off a weekly package uh, for the postseason, which will get you also week 18 of the regular season for free. You can go and do that over at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Use the code GET71 on our post.
postseason weekly package, you'll get 71% off. You won't get the bowls with that package because the bowls are, you know, finished. But we had 9-0-1 in the bowls. Give you some idea of how hot we've been. Anyway, go over there. But in your week 18, in your week 18 Dolphin and Bills write-up, which I think is going to look a lot more like what we're doing in the playoffs, it's super in-depth going real into every single player. And that's where we're going to be next week. So this week, hey, yeah, let's just take it a little easy. Let's just... Mm -hmm. Let's just, you know, every week 18 is different. I know a lot of people love this slate because they call it the information slate of trying to find stuff, but I do think it's, they're all different, right? Like I I think this year in particular, it's more wide open than previous years. And for me, when it's more wide open and we might have a lot more variants like that, I want to scale down as well. My, my initial reaction is to scale down because I do love the playoff slates a lot. Uh, and wildcard weekend is particularly great because we get two, three game slates, which are amazing to play. So I will probably save a lot of my ducats unless we find like a lineup or something I really like want to hone in on, but there are a few spots, but I will be largely just having fun this weekend as well. Yeah, I think that's where we are. And when we're talking about week 18 and an information slate is a really good way of thinking about it. Um, but I think that it goes even beyond information to try to think about motivation, right? And what, what are we approaching here with week 18? And there are lots of ways you can do that. Obviously, there are very obvious teams that are going to be motivated. But I do think it's interesting to think about games in which there's not anything to play for, but there might be individual motivation for players. I think about the Raiders and Broncos game. I've been thinking about that game a lot. Neither of those offenses are very good. Uh, you know, I don't expect it to be particularly high scoring, but even though there's nothing to play for in that game, both of those quarterbacks have something to prove. Zamir White has something to prove if he is playing and Josh Jacobs doesn't play, which I can't imagine why Josh Jacobs would play in this game, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> given kind of the whole contract situation that he has. But and I think about situations like that, or maybe DeAndre Hopkins and in, really the entire Titans team, because they're going to be shedding some veterans this offseason. Ryan Tannehill almost certainly will not be in Tennessee next year. Derrick Henry very likely won't be there. DeAndre Hopkins still has a year left on his deal, but the Titans can get out of it. On that deal, he has a ton of incentives, so he's pushing to play for that. And so situations like that are the ones that I'm really looking at and seeing if I can get beyond the information that, you know, hey, Lamar Jackson's not playing. You should play Tyler Huntley. Get beyond <laughs> the information and maybe find the people that that are that are going to push harder than you would expect given the kind of situation they have with the playoffs not making the playoffs whatever yeah and, and you know even just the backups are, are are sketchy right like just saying all right this guy's out i'm gonna play the next guy up that we don't necessarily know if that guy's gonna play if he's gonna be effective he's gonna be operating in a different offensive you know uh you know context than if it'll be like you know week 14 and like say like let's just like use like as a off-ball example like pierre strong right like Pierre Strong is going to be the starting running back for the Browns if it's declared Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunter out. Well, Kareem Hunt, the starting running back for the Browns in a game where Amari Cooper, Joe Flacco, the offensive line, like is in the defense, like that's a whole different scenario than a, basically a glorified like exhibition game uh, for this offense. So you might not get that kind of run out either, uh, just playing backups and saying this is the next man up. So like there's a lot of fragility with even just saying, oh, this guy's cheap now. I'm going to play him in DFS like in a typical week. Where like say a couple weeks ago, like when we got Zamir White, correct? Like it's totally different for a lot of these players. All these situations are different in the context. So you've got to kind of try to read through some of that. I'm more looking at it like you said. I'm more looking for like surefire players that I know are already productive are going to be in situations where the team is motivated and the player is motivated, 
uh, and kind of focus around that before digging in the weeds and saying like, oh, if I play Pierre Strong and Noah Gray, look at what I can do with this lineup. Yeah, and I think, you know, we're not going to, like, we're not going to get the advantage we thought we might have gotten earlier in the week with Elijah Mitchell because beat writers have now come out and said, hey, he's probably not going to play very much. It's going to be Jordan Mason. But, like, those type of situations are really a, a great example of, what you're talking about if you just read on monday that christian mccaffrey is out right you'd say okay well that means i'm going to play elijah mitchell for sure right because christian mccaffrey's out and i know you and i even before the beat reporters came out had some healthy skepticism about whether about whether we would see just a full workload of mitchell because he is injury prone he's had injuries he missed practice on wednesday i believe it was just an illness it wasn't a recurrence of the injuries he's been dealing with but i think if those beat reporter you know, kind of speculation hadn't come out and pro possibly still with it out, you're going to see a lot of people trying to use Elijah Mitchell in their DFS lineups where it's more likely that Jordan Mason is going to be the one that you actually want in your lineup who's cheaper. And so that's why you really, you really have to be careful with the information, pay attention to these beat writers. I actually have a Twitter list of beat writers for every single team that I go through at various points throughout, throughout the week to try to see, you know, kind of what we're finding. And so, yeah, you can't just go, all right, this player's out. This guy's the backup. Let's go. That backup might not play the whole time either. That backup might not be effective. It's just, it's odd. And the other part of this that I think is really interesting. And I think I'm glad you brought up the Browns is that in a normal week, uh, with the Bengals playing the Browns, you would be hesitant with their passing game, right? But this week, are we going to be hesitant with their passing game? I kind of don't think so, because I assume the Bengals are going to play. You know, Jake Browning's definitely going to play. We'll see what happens with Jamar Chase. I assume T. Higgins will not play. And so there are going to be opportunities there with the guy who I really wanted to play last week, who didn't play a ton, uh, whose name I've now, again, forgotten how to say. I Isovich? Isovach? It's Yosevas, right? That's how that, that's how that's how I've heard it pronounced, but I don't know. Yosemite. I haven't heard him say it because you know it's like the the Bijan Bajan thing, like you know exactly. Uh, until I hear yeah. him say it, I guess we won't know. It won't be confirmed. But but him and Chuck Sizzle, Charlie Jones, like normally. Yeah. So you say Jamar Chase and T Higgins are out. I'm but they're playing the Browns, so I'm not going to get too excited about those guys. However, yeah, are we worried about this Browns defense? So it's just. Everything is everything is changing in emotion. I think it's really interesting, kind of the, that from that perspective. I also think it's interesting to think about what games are actually going to be competitive, because you can have a game that you know, all right, I have this backup in this game. I'm getting really excited about it, but if the if the backup quarterback only has to throw seven times in the second half because the game just isn't competitive whatsoever, then that then that takes away his fantasy upside. So there are three obvious ones that are going to be competitive. We've got Colts, Texans, we've got Saints, Falcons, and we've got Dolphins, Bills. Though we can talk about that Dolphins, Bills, we will talk about that Dolphins, Bills game later. I also think, and I think you're on this as well, that the Bears are going to play hard. Um, and so I think mm -hmm. Bears-Packers is going to be competitive. It seems like the Lions are going to go all out against the Vikings. That's a very odd decision, but it seems like that's what they're going to do. The Titans seem like a team that are going to try against the Jaguars, uh, especially with how much change you can see. So I, I'm looking at those games a lot to try to find who I really want to play and who I really want to put into my player pool in DFS because I expect at least those games to be competitive and for it to be a full game contest. Yeah, yeah, I would add Cardinals, uh, Seahawks too, for sure. Obviously, Seahawks playing for the playoff spot. They could try to backdoor, and they need a Green Bay loss and a win. But also, like, the Cardinals have given us no indication, like, they're 
punting the rest of the season, which probably they should have. But they, I mean, they were down 21 to six at the halftime at halftime last week in Philadelphia and just roared back in that game. I think that Jonathan Gannon and Drew Petzing and those guys, like they're going to play all out too. And that game probably, that game probably offers the most like kind of overall fantasy appeal. Yeah, I mean, uh, anybody against that Cardinals defense you're <laughs> liking. Uh, Geno Smith has shown uh, a little bit more fantasy upside over the last couple weeks than he had early in the season. So, you know, you're definitely liking that. And, and their defense, we saw man, woo. Yeah. What we saw from Kyler Murray last week was really good. I mean, it was against the Eagles. The Eagles defense is bad. What we saw from Kyler Murray last week was really good. Uh, I mean, James Conner, when he's healthy, we know that what he can do, Trey McBride, what he can do. And, I mean, you could run on the Seahawks defense. The Steelers proved that last week. So there's lots of avenues, for sure, to attack that game. Are there any under-the-radar teams that you think could sit people that maybe we're not, that we're not thinking about right now? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think it's tough. I think you covered it. Like it, it's hard to see like, uh, you know, like Antonio Pierce, we know he's fighting for a job. Like the Raiders are going to play hard. We know that Vrabel's going to, his guys are going to play hard and they're going to go out. We've heard the quotes from him, you know, about, about him. And it's, it's also like kind of like Derrick Henry, like send off game. I don't know like how serious that's going to be from like a statistical thing, but like, obviously I think that he'll be, you know, those guys will be motivated. I don't know if like Ryan Tannehill is going to be like, oh, this is my, like a, like, like leaving Tennessee, it was like this big like career thing for Ryan Tannehill, but it probably is for Derrick Henry. Um, yeah. But I don't really see like a lot of teams. The Eagles are probably the in the most precarious spot, right? Like if you have Eagles, because yeah, because they are playing technically for something, but they need a lot of help. It's the inverse situation with the Cowboys were in last year. The Cowboys needed the Eagles to lose uh, to win the division, and the Eagles were like super high favorites, and they actually didn't even play like a great game. I think it was a who started for the Giants in that game. It was uh, man, I, the name uh, uh, eludes me. Uh, he's been around forever, uh, but they almost they didn't really play good in that week 18 game. Like, uh, Jalen Hurts came back from like a shoulder injury, almost kind of backdoor, but the Cowboys played like shit in Washington and, and lost 26 to, to six. But the, if the Eagles, like Nick Sirianni's already kind of hinted at, like, hey nothing's off the table here. We'll pull guys if we need to. We'll see who even starts. I would imagine Devontae Smith doesn't even play coming off the ankle injury, that he doesn't even dress. If they're up early and they see the Cowboys are up, like do they even – do they pull guys? Like they're probably the most precarious team uh, to get like a full allotment of, of plays out of Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown, the guys we care about. Yeah, no, they were on my list. Davis Webb was the guy who started. Davis, that's who it was. Yeah, Davis Webb. Good old Davis Webb. Um, I had to go look it up because I had completely blocked that out of my brain that that uh, that those games occurred. I do that Cowboys thing you mentioned with the Commanders is interesting. That literally we're just a year removed from them laying an egg against the Commanders, and so that makes you a lot more um, confident that they're going to come out and do what they need to do in this game. We'll talk about that game in a second. The Eagles are the one. Like they're definitely going to be scoreboard watching. If we go into halftime and the Cowboys are up by thirty then there's a good chance that we're not going to see a ton of Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown and DeAndre Swift and Dallas Goddard and players like that in, in the second half. I I mean, the Lions, I, I just, can I, I got to get this off my chest. The Lions are going to play their guys because that's what Dan Campbell is and that's what he believes in and that's fine, that's great. There is almost no benefit to them playing their guys. Let's say the Cowboys and Eagles both lose. That has a minuscule chance of happening. Both of them are favored. The 
Cowboys are massive favorites. And also the difference between the two and three seed is nothing anymore. Like there's no real difference between the two and the three seed. I guess you could get home field in, in the second round rather than not have home field in the second round. So that's the benefit. I don't think that benefit is very big. And you're taking a big mm-hmm. risk by playing against a Vikings team that has to go all out a Vikings team that absolutely has to go all out. And I just, I don't think it's the right decision, but I'm not Dan Campbell and Dan Campbell right. uh, is a very good coach. So we're just going to, we're going to let him do it though. Interesting team. And this kind of transition into more talking about the games. The interesting team to me is the dolphins because the dolphins, unlike the bills, the bills might need to win this game to even make the playoffs. The dolphins. Just, have um, you ever seen this? I don't think we've seen a scenario where a team could be the two seater out of the playoffs. It's wild. Like it's wild. All the kind of, <laughs> situations the good news for the bills is they'll know before they kick off unlike some of the other teams they'll know but it is it is a very odd situation but the teams that they need to the teams that they need to lose like are all favored yeah it's uh yeah the steelers are going against the ravens team going against tyler huntley uh who else do they need to lose they need the jaguars Jaguars, right probably at least the one that's like in the air at least like you could see the the fighting vrabels at least like Or what could couldn't the Colts and Texans tie and that would yeah, help them? I try that I mean be... I put all the tie stuff in the worksheet, but like come on guys, like they're we're not gonna see a tie this week. I don't know. Let's <laughs> let's get on it, script writers. Let's do you remember it was uh who was it? Was it Raiders Broncos or Raiders Chargers that a tie would have gotten yes. both of them in? And then <laughs> And then the Raiders like kicked the field goal and like won the game and knocked the two Chargers years ago, out. Yep. Is that what happened? Yep, two years ago. Oh uh, yeah, let's have that again. That would be so much fun. Let's let's have a repeat of that in in Colts uh, Texans. But for the <laughs> Dolphins, the Dolphins are already in the playoffs. They have injury issues throughout their team. They've obviously now lost Bradley Chubb for the season. Xavier Howard has an injury. We're not going to see Jalen Waddle in this game. I'd be very surprised if we do. Raheem Mostert didn't play last week. Has an injury. Tua picked up a shoulder injury. How much are they really going to push in this game is, I think, a real question because it is an advantage to be the two seed rather than they would be the five seed, right? Or the six seed. They'd be the six seed because they'd be under the Browns. Yeah. So what is the what is the advantage? There's a big advantage there to be the two seed versus the six seed. But I still wonder, I wonder if they would rather take their chances in the wild card game than really go all out in this and aggravate injury issues to some of their star players. So I am a I have at least a little bit of trepidation about what we're going to see from the Dolphins on Sunday night. Do you share that? Uh, I definitely can see an avenue of, you know, Mike McDaniel being kind of a, a you know, one of those guys, but he also left Bradley Chubb in that game last week and now Bradley Chubb's out, out for the year. So and they did the same thing. They did the same thing to Jalen Phillips, right? Am I remembering right that Jalen Phillips' injury was in a game that was a blowout as, or was was over as well? Am I remembering yeah, I don't right? think it was as lopsided as this, but they were up. It was the Jets game, correct? He got hurt in, I believe. It was the Black Friday so. game. Maybe it was the game after. Um, but it was, I think it was week 12, right? Yeah, it was the Jets game. He got hurt. So they were up, but so it, maybe wasn't, I'm wrong about that. it wasn't as lopsided, but they were up. But uh, there was no reason for yeah. those guys to be in the game last week after getting slacked. I, I would think that they've been so much better at home that I don't know if it's like a Cowboys situation. Like they would just rather be in Miami and like they want that home. I mean, it's tough to say with Mike McDaniel, right? Like what he thinks is happy. But I definitely think there's a range of outcomes. I definitely think when you look at those two teams in that game in particular, 
the the Bills definitely have an edge just based on the overall health of these teams, right? Like this this Dolphins offensive line's been hurt literally since like the midseason. And it's gotten, you know, there's been times where it's gotten better, times where it's gotten worse. The running back situation is not a huge deal, right? Like they have Devin Achan, but Jalen Waddle being out's a big deal. Losing Bradley Chubb is a massive deal. Like I put in the splits uh, with Bradley Chubb and now Jalen Phillips off the field. Like they basically go from number six in the NFL and pressure rate to 28th with those two guys off the field. Uh, you don't have Xavier Howard in this game either. Like the Dolphins are definitely entering this one down bad uh, in terms of what, they, I mean, if Eli Apple has to play, <laughs> it's not a good situation. That is a we would call that a concern. That would be that would be a concern. Uh, he got lit up. Didn't he get immediately lit up? Uh, last and Vic Fangio said he's starting, and you know with you know with Jalen Ramsey, I'm going to be curious to see like what Vic Fangio cooks up in this game with those DBs. Uh, you know, obviously Stephon Diggs is a guy that hasn't played well, but I mean he put Cater Kohu in like I mean he I mean oh my goodness he ran two routes against Cater Kohu in the, when these teams first played where like I he yeah. shadow realm he shadow realm realmed him to death. So I mean if he ends up on Eli Apple and Kohu again, like he could he could actually have like this bounce back spot. And then if you, if you go back to last year, he cooked Ramsey for like a 50 yard touchdown in the season opener. So like, that's not even a lock if they try to shadow him and just make like Gabe Davis and the other guys beat him. So I'm curious to see what Fangio cooks up with all these injuries they have. Yeah. And that's, that's the issue. And we've talked about the Dolphins defense before and how they hadn't played anybody, but we had some faith in the defense because of all the talent. Well, that's a lot of that talent's not there anymore because of, because of these injuries. And so that raises questions on the other side of it though, the bills passing game just hasn't worked for a long time. It, it mm-hmm. is not a coincidence that what we've seen, the struggles of Josh Allen as a passer have coincided with the struggles of Stefan Diggs. And there's a chicken or egg argument there. I tend to think that teams are taking away Stefan Diggs and the bills it's, it's really highlighting the fact that the bills don't have other options. They don't have other options. They drafted a tight end and whatever you think of Dalton Kincaid, they drafted a tight end where maybe they should have been more focused on a wide receiver and trying to actually get a secondary option for Stefan Diggs and a secondary wide receiver. I mean, they last week it seemed like they tried to get Shakir a little more involved, and I do like Khalil Shakir, but I don't know if he's putting fear into your defense. And so, I yeah, if Ramsey's maybe shadows or shadows as much as happens anymore, and they they really try to bracket and they try to take away Stefan Diggs, then you could see Josh Allen struggle as a passer again, and that wouldn't be surprising because it's we're now weeks into it. This isn't a as NFL samples goes, this isn't a small sample. This is a long, down, downward spir- spiral for this passing game. And I, you know, maybe this game ends up. I think we are all both of these teams when they played earlier in the season. We we're like, oh, this is going to be a high-scoring game. It's going to be a shootout. I mean, maybe this this game ends seventeen thirteen. Like, is that what we're looking at with how with the injuries the Dolphins have and how the Bills' offense is playing? Yeah, I mean, there's potential for it. I mean, we've been on this train for like two months. Like Tua has like these great, I mean, he leads the NFL in passing yards, but like you look at it from like a fantasy stance, like he he hasn't had like these spike weeks. Like he just hasn't. He's been a QB one score in one of his past six games. He's been, the, the past four weeks, he's been the QB 17 or lower. And the Bills are going the opposite direction. Like obviously there's some guys they're not going to get back, but they just got Daquan Jones back. They're getting just a couple pieces and they've, 
been good throughout all of this. Like they've managed to like hold hold the hold the fort down with all the bodies that they're missing. So if we don't get Waddle and it's just Tyreek, I mean you have a situation again where it's just you you know if, if just Tyreek and Achan don't body you, like you're probably going to be all right. And Sean McDermott's done a really good job against Tua uh, in his career. I mean they play a lot more zone coverage than they do. I, I put in put in some of that stuff in the worksheet. Um, and it, I think what's just curious is like a lot of people, like you said, just assume they look at Josh Allen's history against the Dolphins. They're like, here we go again. They've got all these injuries. And that definitely exists in the range of outcomes. But I mean, you said Josh Allen. I mean, the past seven weeks, only Bryce Young has completed a lower rate of passes than Josh Allen. That's it's set, the past seven weeks, seven game sample of Josh Allen. I mean, he's, he's completed fewer than 60% of his passes in five of his past seven games. And like you said, it's because these guys can't get open. There was one, part in the second quarter last week where Dawson Knox got went into concussion protocol and got checked and the offense kind of looked all right again. And I'm like, Oh, coincidence. Like, yeah. And then Dawson Knox comes back and it looks like, it looks like crap again. Like, and, but they, they struggle because these other guys outside of Stefan Diggs are just, they're, they're Jamokes, dude. They're jabronis. Jamokes. I, the, the Midwest has come calling. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, that that's their issue. They threw, they, and they, they threw they, one they, vertical target to Kincaid last week, and he has a fifty-yard catch. What a novel concept to use your guy, your athletic tight end, to, to like give him downfield targets. So we haven't seen that all year. Uh, I, I wrote that was a, that was a six target all season on a throw over twenty yards downfield. What well, I think I should, yeah, like I should, because I just mentioned Kincaid and how I think they'd be better off with someone else. Maybe that's incorrect. Maybe they would be better off if they just use Kincaid as the athletic tight end that he is and got him down the field and up the scenes and started causing issues for, for defenses. And they're not doing that. They're not using him in that way. I mean, there was a game, was it two weeks ago? His ADOT was like 1.1 or something, something like that. Like he's just being used just around the line of scrimmage. They're not really stretching the defense. They're not, they're not forcing problems. We know who Gabe Davis is as a wide receiver. We know that he is going to, he's not going to be that kind of gravitational guy that is going to cause defenses you know those kinds of issues he's going to explode for some big games because you know there are certain situations that are good for him but you're not focusing your defense on him like i said khalil shakir i think he's fine i think he's okay we're not getting super excited about that it's just yeah they're they're not there and now the running game is falling back and james cook has fallen back and so are they going to use him as a as a receiver they should they haven't. So there, there are just a lot of questions about this offense, even with the defensive issues. And I'm like, that's what leads me to think that this game is going to be, especially with everything that's attached to this game, and uh, maybe it's going to be a ton of pressure on the Bills specifically. Like, I, I just don't think this game is going to be as explosive as maybe we hope and the NFL would hope since they made it the Sunday night game. I can definitely see that uh, existing in the range of outcomes. Um, absolutely. And we haven't seen then, the Dolphins really score points on the Bills outside of, I think, last Christmas Eve they had a couple big plays. Waddle caught a long touchdown and Terry caught a long touchdown. But we haven't seen the Dolphins under Mike McDaniel and Tua have, like, sustained, like, drive, per-drive success against this defense and the scheme at all. So, yeah. I mean, one of those was Skylar Thompson. So we're – uh so yeah, I mean, I'm, I was stric- I was stricken that from the the record. Yeah, I know. I'm just making. Yeah, I'm just making a joke. Um, so another game that we're really interested in this week and is the Cowboys and Commanders. Now, unlike Dolphins and Bills, unlike Texans and Colts, which we're going to talk about in a second, we don't have we don't have motivation on both sides of this 
I mean, we maybe Ron Rivera, maybe Ron Rivera is going to pull a Lovey Smith and is going to find his good coaching shoes and is going to make sure that the commanders don't end up with the second overall pick. And he's really going to try against the Cowboys. Maybe that is the motivation that we see, but Jacoby Brissett's not playing in this game. We've kind of figured out who Sam Howell is. Sam Howell has been figured out uh, over the, over the last month or so. This is not the same offense and quarterback that threw for 300 and whatever yards against the Cowboys on, on Thanksgiving. That is not what we're, what we're dealing with here. And so there have to be questions about the Cowboys from a fantasy, from a DFS perspective and how much we're going to get out of them. But this is such a good matchup. The Cowboys have to win that even if the Cowboys go up, let's say they're 35, they're 35 to 10 at halftime or something wild like that, they're going to get there through Dak Prescott and through CeeDee Lamb and hopefully through Tony Pollard. And so I think you're less worried about the Cowboys than you are, let's say, the Eagles and kind of their situation because this is just such a great matchup for all of the all of the guys that we care about in this offense. Yeah, I mean, it's different because if the Cowboys starters come out of the game, it means the Cowboys starters put up a lot of points. <laughs> so yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the things people always get, kind of get wrong in DFS. And they're like, oh, this guy may not play. Like, well, listen, if, if Dak Prescott goes nuclear, that's why he left the game. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so those guys, I think, are, are more startable. I do think that there it does make a more like more tournament or more onslaught stuff. Like you might small field like you might small field them and just do like a full Dallas stack. And you hope you get there that way. Uh, definitely with them, with the same coaching staff going into Washington last year and just looking abysmal in that game to close the season. If you remember that game, I mean, they, they scored six points. They were just absolutely heinous in that game. Uh, I think that the coaching staff is going to really drive that home this week. Uh, I would have to believe in that building. They are letting them know, like we were in this spot last year and you guys absolutely did not come through. We did not come through as a coaching staff. Let's make sure our foot's on the gas pedal this game because this commander's team is a lot worse than that commander's team uh, to close last season, which is really saying something. I mean, this defense is just out of bodies. Like we saw the the DBs they were missing even last week. Uh, They don't have any pass rushers. Like it should be a spot where the Cowboys handle business. I don't know if this is a spot I would lay this many points. I mean, I I don't know if you have the numbers. I know Cleve TA, someone we always used to work with. Like historically though, these spots, and we didn't touch upon it, like, are good cover spots for these teams that you don't. A lot of gamblers are just like, well, this team's playing for something, this team's not. I'm going to lay these points. And historically, the teams that really don't are eliminated or don't have anything to play for have been like really good cover teams. I don't have the specific data, but the data in front of me. I don't have those numbers. I thought you were talking about double-digit home underdogs, which for a long time, over a long period of time, it, I don't think it's been as good lately, but double digit because home field doesn't matter as much as mm-hmm. it used to. We've seen that, but uh, double digit home underdogs for a very long time were a great bet, like a sixty over sixty percent hit rate kind of bet, and that's what we do have here with the Commanders. And so maybe that's something to think about in in whether we think this is competitive. I do not have the final week of the season. No teams, you know, nothing to play for. That's an interesting one. If I get some time tomorrow, that might be. That's one you have to do on, you know, with a note card and a pen and paper. Like that's that's the one you have to do. That's the way you have to do that one. But I, I might go try to find that out because now I'm interested. Now I'm fascinated in. Yeah, the, yeah. I would say Cleve, Cleve TA. If you follow him on Twitter, really good follow. He'll probably post it at some point. I know he used to always come on the podcast and talk about that stuff. But where they historically, though, if you're just someone betting, like, hey, this team's playing for something, this team's not. I'm gonna lay these points. Be careful. 
Yeah, I can see that. I can see that for sure. Um, I think Pollard is the most interesting part of this Cowboys uh, situation because of the season that Pollard has had, not to uh, rub salt in wounds, Rich, but because of the season that Tony Pollard has had. And we've been waiting for this breakout. It seemed like there was a part in the middle of the season where we seemed like we were getting old Tony Pollard back. And it just really hasn't, really hasn't hit. But on the other side of it, this Washington run defense is a disaster. One of his good, one of Tony Pollard's good fantasy outings this year came against Washington. He's been getting a ton of the work. Um, it seems like Rico Dattle will be back this week. Deuce Vaughn is what now on IR. So we, I assume he's still going to get a ton of work, even if, even if, you know, it ends up in a, in a blowout. And so I think you have to kind of go back to Tony Pollard this week and at least consider him, but coming off the season he's having they're they're just it's tough right. to even in this matchup get super excited like a great outcome for him is 100 total yards and a touchdown which ultimately isn't that great of an outcome as dfs goes yeah i mean in this context of this slate it might mean a lot but you know we'll see sure. kind of what what, yeah, <laughs> what shakes out but yeah totally i mean to be fair i mean tony pollard i mean I've been out on him the last three weeks in the matchups and the worksheets. If you follow him, like, this isn't a good spot. This isn't a good spot. This is a good spot. Like don't handle him like anywhere close to being an RB one in any of these spots. Uh, he did. He looks the, a lot, at least looks a lot better though, from like an eyeball stance. Like he had a run against the lions where he steamrolled two dudes. Like, like he looks a lot better and the Cowboys probably will need him a little, just to be, just give them something. Um, but he's not getting used in the passing game. Like you said, he's got to score a touchdown. If Dak comes out and scores three touchdowns uh, through the air and they go up 21 to whatever, they give up a touchdown 21-7, whatever. Like, hollow yard are just still going to do it, though. So you do need him to get in the box. This commander's team is that bad, though. I mean, even last week they didn't allow, like, the the super nut game to Christian McCaffrey, but the 49ers backfield saw 197 yards and a touchdown in that game. Like yeah, this, they just allowed two startable fantasy backs. They didn't yeah. allow one massive back. They allowed two startable fantasy backs. That's a step forward for Washington, this Washington defense. But I think in these spots, cause we don't know, like there's so much defensive variance year over year. We have at least three teams that we know we've targeted every year. And there are multiple other ones too. Like like spots, like I think like the Lions where they are right now against wide receiver ones, the Titans against outside wide receivers. But like this commander's defense has just been one of the gifts of the fantasy season. We only have one more week of them, this 2023 commander's defense. So enjoy it while we have it. I would say like too, like you brought up Zamir White, like that Broncos run defense. We only have one more week and that Broncos run defense could be totally different. Let's exploit it while we can. Absolutely. I, uh, that's why Zamir White will be assuming Josh Jacobs doesn't play. And right. again, I, I can't just imagine him playing, but assuming that he doesn't play. Yeah. Zamir White is going to be very high on my list and to be fair, everybody else's list as well. And so that's, but I mean, it's for good reason. Yeah. And so I, I definitely all in on Zamir White if we don't see Jacobs. All right, let's finish up here with Texans Colts, uh, which is going to be the Saturday night game. It's going to be on that Saturday slate. This very interesting Saturday slate because of the fact that we don't have Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley's there as a pay down option. And it's going to be an interesting Saturday slate for sure. But Texans Colts, this is setting up as, you know, a win and in game that whoever wins is in, whoever loses is out essentially. And so this is a, this is an all out game. Both of these teams are going all out. 
we should get a good one. And for CJ Stroud, I mean, he came back last week. He wasn't pushed. The box score didn't look great. But this looks like a really, really good situation for CJ Stroud. He played good last week. It's just one yeah. of those things. Like they weren't really pushed. I mean, he the, the offensive line played good. He wasn't really pressured. They just got the ball out of his hands. They didn't have to throw in the second half because the Titans, the Titans just can't score points, and it's it's real rough. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious though about the Titans. Like I guess you know we've already kind of got that signal from Brable, but if Levis can't play, like there's no reason they shouldn't just play Malik Willis for the hell of it. But uh, they won't. So it, I, is what it, it is. seems. Vrabel seems to me like, and Vrabel's a very good coach. I'm not saying anything bad about Vrabel, but Vrabel yeah. seems to me like the kind of guy who would care about sending off a veteran like Ryan Tannehill. And you kind of said, would it matter for Ryan Tannehill? Ryan Tannehill had the best years of his career on those Titans teams that you know were very good. Think back to those Titan teams with Ryan Tannehill uh and, and Arthur Smith and how good those teams were. They had they had a you know he had the best seasons of his career. I do think this probably matters for Tannehill. I think it matters for Derrick Henry. And if we're talking about if we're talking about motivations, yeah, I think that it does actually matter for those guys. But like you said, I don't know how we got here talking about Texas and the Colts. But like you said, it doesn't matter because they can't score anyways. Like <laughs> I could try as hard as I wanted to as an NFL quarterback and we wouldn't score points because a, I'd be dead and B I couldn't throw the ball where it needed to go. And so like, it doesn't matter how hard you want to try if right. you can't score points. And that's kind of where we are with the Titans. But anyway, yeah, so yeah. CJ Stroud, it's good for CJ Stroud. Yeah. But yeah, it's a great spot for CJ Stroud. I mean, you, yeah. you, you it, it, he's in a totally different spot than where he was early in the season. These teams played in week two, obviously the Colts are a different spot too. That was a game where Anthony Richardson started. He left early. They didn't have Jonathan Taylor. So these teams are are definitely in two different spots. But, I mean, when the Colts don't, like, pressure the quarterback, like, they've been a, a really exploitable defense. Stroud's been literally the best quarterback outside of Brock Purdy when he hasn't been pressured. Uh, so we got him in a real good spot there. Obviously, the Colts play a ton of cover three under Gus Bradley. Like, CJ Stroud's one of the best quarterbacks against cover three this season. Uh, you know, Nico Collins is smashed in those spots too. So definitely I'm looking at some Stroud and Nico Collins overs. Maybe we'll parlay those up. Uh, but uh, this is a game that like the Col the Colts are an ultimate wild card, right? Like I keep wanting to knock the Colts and knock them out. And they've had some really bad losses recently, like absolutely bad losses. Cause I, I don't think they're a really good team, but they find ways. I think Shane Steichen is a good coach and they're, they're on the right trajectory, but like they scored 10 points against the Falcons two weeks ago. They got absolutely dusted by Jake Browning uh, three weeks ago. Uh, you beat the Steelers, okay, at home. Like, you go to overtime against the Titans in the in, in the, the week before that. Like, it's just a team, I think, is on the they're, – they're on the right trajectory on the right path, but I still don't believe they're good enough, and I don't really want them in the playoffs. I'll be honest. I don't really want them in the playoffs. I don't think that they're a serious team. I don't really think the, te the Texans are a team that can go really far, but I think at least with C.J. Stroud and them having a star and you have D'Amico Ryans and you have some players that are at least like – where like you can say the player – can this player win me a game? Like I don't think Gardner Minshew is rising over Patrick Mahomes and winning a game, right? But like if C.J. Stroud is on like a super heater, could he beat the Browns, right? Absolutely, right? Like for sure. So that's kind of where I am. I feel like my heart is more just, I kind of just really want the Texans to win this game. Well, I'm going to try to stay quiet because I like 
four weeks ago said, I just don't think the Colts are very good and I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. And here we are. And so I'm not going to dig my hole any deeper with the Colts. I did say, though, I made it very clear that Shane Steichen is a good coach and yes. what he's done this year is very impressive. He's really and great. he, in any other year, he would be a strong candidate for coach of the year. Unfortunately, Kevin Stefanski won a bunch of games and is going to the playoffs uh, after, with f- playing four quarterbacks, the last of which being Joe Flacco. So Kevin Stefanski is going to win coach of the year. That's where we are. Where but do you think Richardson is going to go in drafts, like when we kick off? Oh, that's interesting. Because Richardson... Richardson was good, a very good fantasy asset when he mm-hmm. was when he was playing. He was exactly what we wanted him to be. He's going to get another off off season to kind of um, tighten up his passing with Steichen, a coach that we do like, especially an offensive coach that we like. Hmm. I mean, I everything everything outside of the injuries that people will bring up will like, hey, he's got this history now where he can't stay healthy and that'll get knocked sure. or whatever. But we got all the pros we needed to see. He was a he was a better passer than we thought he was going to be like out of the box. The offense and totality get better. was better than we thought it was going to be. So, and like they were aggressive. They did all the things we wanted to do. So I'm very curious, like to see where he, where he ends up. I I'd imagine he starts off slow and then like once like, or starts out maybe a little bit lower in ADP than we want. Like he's not going to be like QB 15 or anything, but like maybe he yeah. opens up at like a fringe QB one and then he gets steamed up by the community and ends up like by the time we get to August, he's like QB five or QB six or something. See, I, so first of all, I think all quarterbacks are going to be depressed this next year because I think what we've seen from the top quarterbacks and we've seen a kind of a, a reversion to the fact that you can just stream quarterbacks. Whereas we've lost those kind of like, we've lost Josh Allen and, and Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes being so much clearly better than everybody else that having them on your roster was a really important leverage. We didn't have that this year. And I think naturally, well, for and Allen, we see bias. Well, with Josh Allen, sure. But with, with a lot of those guys that people drafted high, even Lamar Jackson for large chunks of the season, that I think that people, I think quarterbacks, reasons he buys, will push quarterbacks down as a whole. But I've been thinking about Anthony Richardson in terms of like where quarterbacks yeah, are not going. that archetype though, because like I said, Allen and Hertz were still like teams that drafted Allen Hertz were still good. Yeah. No, so, like, I, yeah, they, that's true. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong about that for sure. But no, I mean, but like Mahomes is where like anytime and Mahomes definitely like there's like I, I'll, all of us would have fell for the Mahomes thing, right? Like he had been that good to this point in his career. But like that archetype of quarterback that is built on passing efficiency and passing production firsthand is always going to have a layer of fragility uh, to it. This just happened to be the first time we've seen like an actual weakness of of Mahomes uh, in in those categories. So, so you would say then maybe, maybe my, maybe the point is that players like Joe Burrow, especially Trevor Lawrence after this week, after this year, and Patrick Mahomes. We'll see those depressed, but maybe not players like Anthony Richardson, which leads me to when you ask me that question, when I'm thinking about where he's going to go, I think kind of in that Justin Fields range. And Justin mm-hmm. Fields opened as what, like QB six, seven, yep. somewhere yep, in that yep. range in ADP, and he just stayed there. Um, and I think the upside for Richardson as a passer off of what we saw with him as a rookie is probably higher. We'll see what they're able to bring in. We'll see what happens with Pittman. They still need another wide receiver. You know, Alex Pierce is going to make big plays. Josh Downs a good slot receiver. They could very much use another receiver. Maybe they just get a tight end, one a single tight end that they trust and actually want to play instead of the seven that they play every week. But 
So there, there are opportunities here for him to improve as a passer, maybe beyond where Fields was. But when I think about in terms of quarterbacks, I, I was really thinking in that Justin Fields range yeah. to start. And you're right. And if we see if we see him in the preseason go wild, then like he he could be a top three quarterback. Like that's that's the kind of thing that happens in preseason whenever whenever a, a new quarterback that has the type of archetype that can be the overall QB one and a real important player for you. If they go wild in the preseason, yeah, I could. It could go crazy. But yeah, I was thinking anyway, about that. We'll find out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> soon. <laughs> yeah, soon. We'll figure out where where he's going. But on on the Texans, kind of back to this Texans Colts game. Um, I think Nico Collins, I want to mention him real quick. You mentioned him and how how good of a spot he's in. I also want to mention that Nico Collins didn't maybe have the box score that we were hoping for last week because they just didn't throw enough. But everything else, if you look at the numbers, everything else is exactly what we wanted from Nico Collins. 25.8% target share. He was targeted on a third of his routes. He had 3.33 yards per route run. This isn't new. This is what Collins has been with Stroud and take Dell not on the field. This is an absolute smash spot for Nico Collins. And if you are maybe like, okay, well, the box score wasn't great last year. We've seen a lot of up and down Nico Collins. No, this is, this is the time Nico Collins, assuming they're pushed. And I think they're going to be, mm-hmm. this is, this is a good spot. Michael Pittman's the other kind of big wide receiver from this game. Another week removed from that hit. We think that the Colts are going to have to push in this game. We think we're going to see more carry I mean, more throws, excuse me, from Garner Mitch Minshew. Um, could we get back to kind of that 15 target Michael Pittman that we love and maybe him have a big game too? I kind of think that's where we're headed with both of these guys. Yeah. I mean, with Pittman, he just doesn't have like, he's got like more of like that, that floor based QB or wide receiver one kind of, you know, ability. Like we haven't seen him, like he doesn't go for like 30. That's like the killer. Yeah. Uh, but uh, definitely probably a game where he at least has like, you know, he's at least looking at like a dozen targets, like eight catches, depending on what he does with them. Um, he's going to be an interesting guy too, as we get push into the preseason and see where he goes, like where he's valued at. Um, because he's a guy that I think he's a better real life player than he is a fantasy football player. And that's, it's going to be interesting to see if we ever get like that kind of spike production from him. Well, I mean, but he's able to, at least in PPR leagues, this is a different yeah. conversation in standard leagues and PPR leagues, he is, he does provide those spikes. And the other part of it is, is that Pittman, I'm pretty sure I'm looking well, at only had one right. game where he's yeah. had 25 PPR points all year. It's interesting. I would not have guessed that a uh, Pittman is a free agent. Um, after this year, uh, I, I thought I was right. I mean, they're probably going to tag and him, so, right? Do, are you going to pay Michael Pittman on the tag? Though? The wide receiver You've tag got a quarterback number? on a rookie contract. I don't know. You have, I, a I would, I'm also not on a, you have a running back, not on a running back contract. That is true. Um, I think Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman and Drake London, for some reason, are linked in my mind. I, I have them as the same archetype of player. And I wonder if Michael Pittman is playing in a different situation if he's not this guy. Like, I wonder if he is a guy that could get more downfield. We've seen London be able to do that, even though London had, I think, had similar questions about him that Pittman did coming out of school. And so I do wonder if he gets kind of in a different situation or just gets Richardson back and can push the ball downfield more. Maybe I wonder if we view him a little bit differently. But there are going to be a lot of moving pieces in that offense. I mean, if Pittman's gone, then they're really in trouble. There are a lot of great wide receivers in this draft, but they're really in trouble. I don't know how we got into Colts offseason, but – no, I think it's interesting because I think they're. I mean, the Colts I do are going to be interesting a team. Too. I, I mean, the Colts yeah. are going to be a team. I think that are going to be a hot flavor going into next year. Obviously, the Texans are, 
And I think people are going to be a little sour on the Jaguars trajectory as an organization because they just have just be by default of how much how promising the season was for both the Colts and the Texans that that division in general is going to be pretty fun going into next year. Then I think the Colts are interesting because we've seen this front office build a very good roster and get the quarterback, just not be able to get the quarterback right. right. That roster is not as good anymore, but now they look like they have the quarterback, assuming that he can stay healthy and assuming he can continue in development. And so now are we trusting this front office to once again build that defense, to find another Shaquille Leonard, to find more, you know, Quentin Nelsons and to and to be, I guess that's not everybody loved Quentin Nelson. That's not a great example, but to rebuild this offensive line and to, and to, you know, are they able to do this a second time? Are they able to John Snyder and come back after maybe some disappointment and actually hit again and, and really build a strong, strong roster. That will be interesting to see in the off season. It could go the other way too. I mean, like what if Pittman leaves and they can't find a wide receiver, then we're kind of in a weird, we're in a weird situation uh, because Josh Downs isn't a number one wide receiver. Alex Pierce is not a number one wide receiver. So you're, are you, if you can find one of those guys in the draft, one of those Washington fellas, uh, they looked pretty good the other night. If you can find one of them in the draft, then maybe you're feeling you're feeling a little bit better. But yeah, it's it'll be an interesting season for sure. Um, any other thoughts on this slate? Anything else that stands out to you that you're that you're interested in? Um, not off the top of my head. I mean, obviously, I think just when you look at it, just like the Bucks were so bad last week, and I don't know if anyone takes the Bucks seriously as like being like actual contenders in NFC, but like. Man, they were so bad last week. And you would think they bounced back against the Panthers. Um, but, yeah, I mean, because that's a spot. Obviously, I think Mike Evans is in a really good spot. But Baker's banged up. Like, do they have that letdown game? It's man, They were just so bad for three quarters of that game. But other than that, I think it's pretty much covered. I'm interested to see Bears. Like, I'm interested to see what the Bears do. And, obviously, three months of us talking about what the Bears do with that number one pick. I, I'm actually just can't wait. I'm pins and needles for that discourse. Good God. I I actually am interested in it. I've said this several times on the Sunday recap show and the bears, first of all, the bears should be in the playoffs. They let a couple games get out of hand, including one against the Browns that they should have won. The bears are better than teams that will make the playoffs. The bears are better in my opinion than the bucks. The bears are better than the Colts who might make the playoffs. The bears are a better team than teams that will make the playoffs. And they have a reasonable roster. They have a lot of draft capital to go and make that roster better. And they have this weird quarterback thing weighing over their heads and this very odd decision. If this roster is actually good and can compete with the lions in this division, do you reset with a rookie quarterback? I don't know, but is Justin Fields enough to really make you that super bowl contender? I don't know. I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions. <laughs> I actually think that the conversation is interesting for the bears, but you're right. It's going to be, there's going to be a ton of that conversation as we, as we move forward on the bucks. You mentioned Mike Evans. This, this is Rashad white city to me. Like this is a perfect situation for Rashad white in the workload that he's been getting. So yeah, that'll be interesting. You know, it'll be interesting to see if we can, if the Seahawks take care of business, all of that kind of, all that kind of stuff. It, it's going to be a fascinating a fascinating week. I mean, I can't wait for Sam Darnold versus Carson Wentz. I mean, just the the matchup of the century. Carson Wentz versus Sam Darnold. Yeah, so, yeah absolute preseason game. <laughs> it's literally a preseason game we'll be watching. Puka Nakua is going to catch whatever he needs to in the first two drives of the game, and then he's going to disappear, and it is going to be a preseason game. Hey, those Zach Evans waiver wire bids, they might pay off. And we hate teams. I mean, fingers crossed that none of these guys like get hurt on a play. Like, you know, I, we've joked in the Slack about Amon Ra. Like, dude, if Amon Ra is like a hamstring injury, I'm going to lose it, man. I'm going to be upset. 
I will be I'll be ready to eat some kneecaps, Dan. I will be upset if Amon Ra gets hurt in a meaningless game. But anyway, that's it for us. We'll be back next week to preview the wild card round, uh, preview what should be a very exciting playoffs with all the parody that we've had. Make sure you go to sharpfootballanalysis.com, read Rich's worksheets. Remember, you can get the final week of the regular season, week 18. You get that for free if you sign up for our postseason uh, packages. You can get the weekly package, 71% off the first week. Use get code GET71. So make sure you go and check that out, and we'll be back to talk with you next week. Thank <laughs> you.